Well, hey, Balls of Magic. Welcome back to our podcast. It's been a hot second. My name is Alex. My pronouns are they, them. And you are listening to How to Be Queer. Hi, Alex. Hi. It's Kim. I know. You're right across from me. (laughs) So amazing. You're doing a good job of keeping it creepy today. Hey, it's Kim. My pronouns are she, her. Welcome back to How to Be Queer. It's it's been a minute. It has. We're back. We kind of just like took a little bit of an intentional pause, Mm -hmm. which felt awesome. A, A cocoon, a reordering. And here we are. Did you know, just this is coming up in our life. Did you, do you know that tomorrow? Um, so I, I don't know when you upload this stuff. I actually don't know anything about how you make all this work. <laughs> you basically put a headphones and microphone in front of me and then like you do all the things. But did you know what tomorrow is? It's it's November 12th tomorrow because uh-huh. we're recording this on the 11th. Happy Veterans Day, by the way. Thank you for all who serve. I definitely, um, because you serve, you grant us a lot of freedoms, which I exercised on Tuesday by voting. Still waiting to find out about Bobart. Anyway, do you know what tomorrow is? The 12th? Is it Little Magic House? No. It, oh. Well, it's, it's <laughs> we, we legally got married. We signed, we, oh. we went to the DMV, which is, I mean, it's so romantic, but that's where we signed our our um, marriage license. Yeah. We, so, t- I mean, technically, I guess we've, we're coming up on a year. Yeah. So tomorrow's our one year official legal, like legal anniversary. anniversary. Hey, hey. <laughs> how do you want to celebrate that? <laughs> um, well, I have a few ideas. Okay. I am now going to just say this podcast <laughs> and is not meant for children. No, <laughs> this is an adult. And today is going to be, and maybe if you are our parents, you could oh, just, you know, yeah. Let me just say that. Cause our parents, listen, your mom, listen, and I mean, um, if you really, it's, it's on you. I I'm, you're just going to hear stuff that who, who we're all adults. I don't know. I, yeah. I'm going to say mom and dad, like give this one a skip. I'm, I'm good with re- retaining some of the mystery in our life. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> um, but this is a, an official message of um, our podcast is not meant for under a certain age um, language we're explicit. And today we're going to talk about some stuff that is, is, is really about sex and about bodies. And, um, and I, I see Alex, you have a title here, which is sex during midlife and coming out. Yeah. I just tried to like have like kind of what we're talking about today. Um, do you want to do our sponsor talk really quick? Yeah, we got to give a shout out to our sponsor, Youth Scene. Go over to their website, youthsen.org. Click on the donate button, throw them some cash, give them some some um, support because giving your money is just one way to show that you, you support this work that they do. And so um, thank you, Youth Scene. They're, they're supporting and providing resources and education and mental wellness to the QT BIPOC and LGBTQ community to youth and their families and they rock. Thank you. You'd seen. Okay, thank you. Okay. Dr. J. Dr. J. How do you want to start this one? Do you want me to start by the conversation I was having with you this morning? I think that'd be good. A good uh, lead into. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to share it's story time. I'm going to share a little bit and I'm going to close the door behind me. I'm going to share a little bit um, of just my, my personal story, which if, if you've been listening to this podcast, you, you know, but let me, it, maybe you joined us halfway through and you don't know, um, but I am a, middle-aged, mid-size mom of two. Um, and what do I say when I say mid-size? I'm neither skinny nor fat. I am just that body type that's like right in the middle. Um, I wear a size, I, I'm proudly saying this, I wear a size six. <laughs> and somewhere in my head along the way, I was told that a size six was fat. Thank you, Heather from middle school, who told me that because my thighs touched, I was overweight. I still have a bias against we that don't name. Like you. I don't yeah. like you. I still don't like you. You tried to friend me on Facebook too. <gasps> That's a no. Oh, hell. That's a hard pass. Um, anyway, I'm going off here, but I think, um, you know, in, in sharing a little bit and being really, you know, vulnerable and open is that, you know, I I've told this story in here before that when I was about 19 years old, I had kind of started to figure out, um, things weren't working out for me in the heterosexual world. <laughs> I knew from probably a pretty early age, looking back that I was, I was a lesbian, I was queer, but I didn't have a lot of the language to understand that. So I kept trying to be straight and it was not working out well. Um, and then I had a friend in college who did, um, come out and I believe she came out as bisexual and she had been, um, in a relationship with a woman 
And she was the first person that I told and um, kind of like bumbled my way through another couple of years, had some experiences that confirmed it for me. Like, this is why heterosexual sex isn't feeling good. Like I am, I am gay. I um, tried to come out of the closet. It did not go well. And so I thought, well, I'm, I'm going to do the best that I can to stay in the closet and just shove this down as deep as I can. Mm -hmm. And it didn't work out. It did not work out me doing that. And I ended up spending about a 13 year period, um, essentially celibate. So I didn't have, um, really, I just, I just didn't, I, I mean, everybody knows what celibacy is. It's that you're, you're not, you know, you're not having sex. I had intimacy, um, you know, with, and there's lots of different ways to experience intimacy. You, you experience intimacy in friendships and relationships, but you know, to actually say like I was engaged in a sexual relationships, well, no, I wasn't. Mm -hmm. And so then, um, and this is kind of what we wanted to talk about today is I met Alex and I was like, well, this celibacy thing is like, <laughs> <laughs> this isn't going to work. I wish I could say people that I had the bravery to, you know, just come out as a celibate lesbian. I, I didn't, I think had I, um, that you were a catalyst for me to be like, okay, you are either going to just be yourself and own this, or you're going to spend the rest of your life celibate and kind of unhappy. And I think what, um, I recognized is that there are, um, I know well, actually uh, more than just me, women that, um, choose celibacy or think that they're choosing. So I was a woman that I thought, Hey, I'm fulfilled enough. I have wonderful career. I have financial stability. I have amazing friendships, a lot of intimacy in my friendships. I've got great relationship with family, kids, mom, like my life it is headed in this direction, but I have this one bucket, if you will, that is just, I'm, I'm okay with that bucket, just never being fulfilled. Right. And I hear a lot of um, people say that everything else in my life is going, okay. If I don't meet somebody, it's all right. And so I lived in that bucket for a really long time until I met somebody that I'm like, oh no, I can't, I can't, this is, I can't deny this. And here we are. Mm -hmm. um, and so part of what I think we wanted to talk about today is, so there's the backstory and I'm going to share with our listeners what goes through my head <laughs> was I am a middle-aged mid-sized body who has given birth twice and I am now going to take my clothes off and engage in a sexual relationship with someone who is a fitness professional <laughs> and has 17 abs <laughs> <laughs> and had not been celibate for a really long time. And the anxiety that I felt on multiple levels, like went through the roof. And so what we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about today is because listeners, we get your emails. Mm -hmm. We know that this is something our listeners have been saying to us is, hey, I'm a mid midlife person. I am trying to come out of the closet, but I have an awful lot of anxiety about how, especially if you're a person who has been celibate for a long time, how in the world do I jump back into bed with somebody and also maybe experience queer sex for the first time? Ooh, that was a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think, Alex? What do you think when, cause I mean, you've been with me in this, in this journey. And I know I've said things to you over the years that you kind of look at me and you, you're like, Oh, Kim. <laughs> well, I think what's popping up is that the, the power of, um, when you meet the right person, you truly can, can begin to heal together Yeah, and you engage in a new adventure, a, a building of life in an extraordinary way that you've never experienced before. And that doesn't mean it's not terrifying, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and vulnerable and like awkward and, and scary, but it's also like, but this is so right. And so true and real. And, and there's, there's nothing I want more. And so I think that's, what's so amazing. One of the things that's so amazing about you and me. I know we're, we're sitting across the table. You all get it. You, you all keep coming back and listening to us. So you probably can imagine the facial expressions that happen across our table. Hi. Hi. So can I ask you, I do want you to share, I think a little bit on this part, because I think what, um, what I felt when I was in my early twenties, right. Is that that is, 
um, it seems more socially acceptable to experiment mm-hmm. um, with with queer sex, with bisexuality, with hey, I'm you know I'm I'm pansexual. I'm trying to figure it out. It seems to be more socially accepted when we're younger, and then as we get older it's not so much. And so I know that there's a lot of people that hit midlife and they're like, man, this is in me. I know this is in me, but maybe they haven't. I hate to use the word experiment, but I don't know that I know a better word. Um, And so one of the questions that I think we get is how in the world do I start having that conversation? You know, if I identify as, as female and the person that I'm you know, feeling like I want to do stuff with them, maybe uh, has body parts that we tend to assign with um, the same as ours. I'm trying to figure out the exact most inclusive way to say that. So folks, forgive me if I bumble over my words a little bit here and don't get it right. But Alex, you had that experience in life, right? Where you you understood at least a little bit of your sexuality, but you did have a lot of, I think, people who identified as women wanting to, I don't want to say use you, I don't want to put your words in your mouth, but you have told me before that you felt like people would kind of almost look at you like an experiment. Uh, yeah. I think what ended up happening and as, as you, I was listening, I was thinking as you were talking and I was um, taking in that, that back to that healing piece of like, you know, based off of what we learned as a kid about what our body can do or not do, or what it's made for or not made for, you know, there's a lot of like trauma there. Yeah. And so I had, I was navigating my, my gender identity and my sexuality. And what I ended up doing was lacking a lot of boundaries for myself. And, but it's so the kind of it, and this sounds, I, I just, I guess this, the, this is the easiest, shortest way to say it. it was like, you know, I could kind of just threw myself around like, well, mm-hmm. I'll, just, I'll try this or I'll try this and I'll figure this out. And, 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 and now realizing that I, it was, but I called it like, well, I'm just free and I'm just an open book. And actually I was deeply on, I was, I was miserable. I was yeah. um, trying to heal a, a a lot. And so these messages about, yeah, my, my, my body parts and, and then being in a, in an abusive relationship, um, you know, marriage for a while and then having, you know, sexual abuse in my childhood and like all of it, all of it breadcrumb, breadcrumb trails to what I ended up, how I ended up treating my, my body. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it's no, it's no surprise to me. Then I get into a profession that, I'm trying to every day heal bodies and mm-hmm. myself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, just wanting. And then especially with y- you as my, as my intimate partner and wife, and you just, you just want to be able to create that space of for yourself and for you. And yeah, yeah it's, it's a collaborative and I kind of like joke with you about this sometimes and listen, we're, we're married. So, you know, you, you, you build the trust to be able to joke and, and stuff with each other. But, you know, I had said for a long time that I felt, you know, when women would, would look at you because you were just masculine enough that it was, I, I, I kind of felt on some of the things that you told me where I understand what you're saying. Like you didn't know what healing was. Right. Yeah. And so you were seeking, you would use your body to connect with people. Yeah, I was using it for validation and extra yeah. Right, which which is part of your healing that you're doing now. Yeah. But but also that you know, I think for and I think for a lot of of um queer women sometimes especially and I'm speaking to my m- middle-aged because I think from everything I understand about generations that are coming up this is this could be very different. But I know for I think a lot of women my age um, you know, whether it's your first coming out or your second coming out or something you've known about yourself for a really long time, there's an aspect of your identity that is just masculine enough, mm-hmm. right? Where, and I joke with you about this and I call you the gateway gay, yeah. right? Yeah. It feels like really safe to be attracted to you because, well, number one, you're magnetic and you're beautiful and you're, you're all the things that you are. And you're also just masculine of that center. Mm-hmm. So that I kind of felt like you had people sometimes engage with you in your body that were like, they didn't want to jump full down into queer town. Yeah. Right. And like you were their gateway to get there. But inevitably, I think that left you feeling really hurt and harmed. 
Yeah, I mean, we could we could talk about the time that you know um, that oh, talk a gr- about a group it. of a group of a group of women that thought that they were giving me a gift of like a lap dance and put me out in the middle of a of a room on a chair, and they. Uh, is that kind of yeah, like what you're yeah, talking yeah, yeah. about? I mean, we're just going to kind of go, go for that story. We're going to let it. Um, yeah. Thinking that, you know, people had known about my queerness and, and then I was just like, and that, cause I had, I danced as a stripper in college for like a few months. And then I also was a drag performer. Like I was really open, but I also wasn't really aware of like who I give access to. Okay. Like that was a part of my boundary that I had not learned at that, at that point. Like, I don't need to tell everybody everything because I don't know what they're going to do with that information about me. Okay. And what ended up happening was I was in a room full of like 60 people of a class I taught. And there were people from the, from the class and they put me on a chair and said, happy birthday. Here's a lap dance by different, um, you know, members of, and they thought it, and I was, I wanted to kill all of them and run away. <laughs> like, what did you, what did you, did you do that thing where you're like, oh my God, just like grin and get through it? Or did you say something? I can understand grinning. Cause I think we all do that. We're like, oh my God, just make it end. Yeah. I mean, I, I froze like yeah. I, I, like my body froze up and I felt violated and I'm like, I don't because, because I am so energetic and, and, and my body now mm-hmm. is so sacred. And I, and I am very intentional about where I put my body and who I give it to and what I do with it. And, and then I, at that point was like, just freeze, just freeze and let it happen. Oh, honey. Yeah. You know, I'm so sorry. Cause I was so, I was so used to that. Yeah. But so, um, I had, t- didn't, yeah, I, I, I sometimes I wonder if I wasn't masculine of the of the center, if if my presentation would affect how would it, my experiences would have been different. Well, I think that's what I'm I'm yeah. um, I'm saying is that I I have witnessed where there's and and also that sometimes people in their allyship show up really strangely where they're like, oh, well, I'm so attracted to you. See, I'm okay. I'm an ally. And I'm like, that's actually not <laughs> allyship at all. Not at all. Like, you don't need to tell us you're down with gay people by telling us that you're attracted to gay people or about what gay women or, you know, gay people do. Like, that's right. I mean, that just plays into the narrative, the stereotype about us being over-sexualized. Yeah. And so I found, I find all of that super fascinating because I, I do, we've been, in fact, we were at a party um, within the last year where there were some women there and they started to get tipsy. And I'm like, y'all are just getting a little too close. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, is it that, you know, people that you know, I, you know, non-binary and then a lesbian and people obviously, you know, listen, sometimes people, we, we can tell the hidden things that you think are hidden that are coming through, especially when we mix a little alcohol in there. Um, that's where I'm like, you know, and I, and I kind of want to bring this back, but I'm mentioning all of this because when we talk about, like, if you are a midlife person and you're like, I really want to come out, but I don't want to make it feel like I am using people as an experiment. We're giving you examples of what feeling like an experiment feels like. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I, I kind of want to say like, there is a huge difference between I am coming out of the closet. I want to try, you know, dating, or maybe I'm, you know, pan or I'm bi, but I'm feeling a real genuine attraction to women and I've never allowed myself into that space versus using people as an experiment. Like, yeah. so I'm hoping that by giving these examples, we can start to lay out like, look, don't go to a party. And when there's a gay couple there, think, hey, this is a free for all for me to be flirty and start touching them and invade their personal space. Mm-hmm. That's experimenting with your sexuality in a way that is is not going to feel appropriate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when you have a person who is a performer or is leading a class or does a lot of, like you do, Alex, like life coaching, getting people into their bodies, that is not an appropriate space for you to start feeling out, you know, experimenting with your sexuality. That is what an experiment would be. Yeah, that is what treating a person of a queer identity to try to try it on. That's the ways it's not appropriate. But let's talk about the ways it is appropriate, because that's more of what we wanted to talk about today. Now that the experiment of 
experiment yes. side is out, right? Yes. And this would, this would require what it, it feels like it would require some, uh, a higher level of awareness of yourself. Well, and that's where I go to alcohol, right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so there's times that I think, um, alcohol has, you know, you and I absolutely love having our alcohol together in ways, but you know, what I've noticed is that when, um, we are a queer couple Mm -hmm. and we show up in really heteronormative spaces and people have had just enough alcohol, that's sometimes where I'm like, baby, it's time to go. Yeah. Right, because I you they can, start to lean into us, like, oh, you guys are, <laughs> you guys are amazing, and you're both so pretty, and yeah. ba, 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 ba. and I'm like, why is your husband in the corner of the room? <laughs> right, we gotta go, we gotta go, we're out. So that would be the side of like the the experiment. Um, I believe everybody's got a little bit of queerness in them. Like, have the self awareness to know how yours is showing. Like, we're not here for your entertainment. I'm not here for your entertainment. I love that I song. Know, totally. Okay. Um, but if you, and the, there's a reason I told this story in the beginning, and this is something Alex and I talk about a lot is, so here I am, I'm a, I'm a middle-aged mid-sized mom who's given birth to two kids. And, um, I've been, I've, I've obviously, you know, Alex is not the, the, the first person that I've experienced having queer sex with. I have had my share when I was younger um, which I probably would have said, well, I'm just experimenting and trying to figure things out. No, I had it figured out. I was just too fucking scared. Yeah. So then I remained yeah. celibate for a really long period of time. And now I am that person that I'm like, I'm going to come out and I'm going to experience what sexual intimacy is. And I was fucking terrified. I was terrified. And yeah. I know that there, because we get your listener mail, um, I know that this is fairly common. Um, so I guess what we want to talk about is how to kind of break that thing in your head of like, but I don't want somebody to think that I'm using them as an experiment. Mm -hmm. Like, what does that look like? And then what does it look like to return to your body? Yeah. Um, and so you and I both had to return to our bodies for different reasons. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Mm -hmm. does that all make sense what we're doing today? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're establishing energetic contracts. Oh shit! You're gonna have to walk me through that. We're going straight to the energetic contract. Well, Can you like ease when me you in? said, when you well, yeah, like when you said, talk about some things. Um, people, you know what people can do to yeah. like. So, if you're like, okay, I'm queer. I want to experience. I want to experience these things. So, like, um, or I'm feeling like there's queerness in me. Yeah, and and there's absolutely. I think ways to being able to communicate to yourself and then being able to communicate with the person that you're going to be with versus just like, let me get, let, let me get in, instead of getting drunk and hitting on someone or making a queer couple or a queer person uncomfortable um, being like really upfront and, yeah. and, and being like, I've never done this before. I want to experience not experiment. Mm-hmm. And then you're both going into that, environment of like, maybe this is going to work and, and, and maybe it won't, but at least we know that we're in this, we're on the same page. I really love what you just said. I'm looking for an experience, not an experiment. Yeah. And it value, and it puts value, it's put, puts the humanity back on, you know, in, in that person. I just think that's so, yes, I, I, that really resonated with me when you said that, because, you know, I think it, and it's fascinating because you look at the statistics of, of porn consumption. Mm-hmm. Okay. And a lot of porn consumption is women watching what we would refer to as like lesbian porn. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, we could talk forever about how I don't actually feel like what you're watching is lesbian sex. I still, sometimes when I've seen it and I'm like a dude made this up. Yeah. <laughs> We, we've seen a version. couple we're like, oh, I don't know. yeah, we've seen a couple and I'm like, yeah, that's not so, but, but listen, no, it, it, if that is that I think is a gateway for many women, right. Mm-hmm. Of thinking, oh, um, I'm watching this and, you know, I'm feeling something when I'm watching it and I'm starting to recognize this might be an experience that I want. Yeah. And it's very intimidating because number one, you don't want the person that you're exploring this with to feel like they're an experiment. Yeah. 
you're probably like, shit, my body's middle-aged and it doesn't look the same. Or I've been celibate for really long and I haven't experienced sexual intimacy. Like, how do you start working through those things? I know I did. And it was very, very hard. I lived in a constant state of anxiety for a really long time. Yeah. What do you got? You're giving me a look. I'm just thinking. I'm, I'm, t- I'm taking it in. Um, you said something that, uh, and then I forgot. That's why I was like, Meh. so if if so, I, I think you know if you are. Um, so how do you? I guess like it's like what's the first step, right? So you're acknowledging like, boy, I'm spending an awful lot of time on the lesbian side of Pornhub. And this is something I'm digging into myself. I think this might be where I want to have an experience. Yeah. Where do you think, Alex, you start communicating? Like you, maybe you go, maybe you start dating or you go to, um, you know, you get introduced to somebody. Let's assume that you have now moved into, maybe you go to a dating site you connect with someone, where do you think to get to that sexual intimacy? Where would you tell somebody to start in, 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 in talking about it? I mean, I think you would have to, I mean, one of the things would be knowing your, you, you're knowing yourself enough to be like, this is what I want and telling that, that person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know it can be awkward and silly, but like, talking through sex. (laughs) I know. (laughs) But here's the thing. Like we had this idea that, that sex should come naturally to us. Right. And it's not practice makes progress. You got to practice the thing you want to be good at. And if you want to be good at sex, you got to practice it. You got to have a lot of sex. You got to have sex with yourself. You got to have sex with, with other people. And you, and, and of course those, those energetic, you know, safe consensual spaces and um and because it's an exchange it's it's not i and i said this in my 20s like oh it's just sex well no it's not it is an exchange of energy mm-hmm. you are giving someone a part of you yeah when you don't see it they might not feel it but you are giving away you are participating in in a in a experience it's it's all of the things it's mind, body, spirit. It's one of the few things like mind, body, spirit, that everything shows up. Mm -hmm. And one of those, depending on, um, if one aspect is, is lesser healed than the other, you know, that piece is going to go out the window. But anyway, that was kind of a a little tangent, but yeah, I really appreciate that. Like, you know, you, you have to, there's two things that I really, when you said that is number one, you have to know your own body Mm -hmm. and you have to be okay. Spending time with your own body to know a little bit of like what feels good and what doesn't feel good so that you can communicate to someone. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I think that there's obviously a part of when you're in a sexual relationship with someone, the freedom to tell them this feels good, or this doesn't feel good. But before you even get there, you know, and I, I guess in a little way, I'm speaking to our listeners who may have been in a religious institution that told you a message about understanding your own body. Yeah. So I remember being in um, my uh, Catholic education and I was told that masturbation was a sin and that you were, you would go to hell. It was a really quick way to go to hell was, and I swear to God, I was 13 years old and Monsignor came in and told us this. And I was like, what the fuck is masturbation? Like, I didn't even know what it was yet. Yeah. Um, and then obviously figured out, I, I, you know, over the years, what it was, but, and, and there's especially like, even with my daughter, um, because boys, it seems like we talked, we talked to boys about masturbation and I'm being like really genderizing people right now. We talk to those who identify as male, right? Yeah about masturbation. It's like, it's everywhere. It's on TV shows. It's on jokes. It's in movies. It's like, we've normalized, Hey guys. And, and then we say it's something that they just have to do. Well, I think it's the patriarchal idea that men deserve pleasure, but women don't. Oh, there's a truth bomb. Say it again. I think it's the patriarchal idea that, that men are deserving of pleasure, but women are not. Yeah. And that's, that's fucking bullshit. Yeah. I mean, and in the religious institution I was, I was in, it was that not only are you not deserving of pleasure, but you're going to go to hell if you experience it. Yeah. I mean, talk about a mind fuck. Yeah. So 
Yes. It's anyway. So there's, a, there's been a lot of, and I need to, I'll pull up the name of the, the book because I can't think of it right now, but there is an author who wrote a book that was a hundred percent about if you are a person who identifies as female, you need to start masturbating and you need to start talking to your children, especially if they identify as female, that masturbation is a really good thing to do. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of reasons she says it. Obviously, the familiarity, like Alex is talking about with your own body and what feels good, but also to understand that an orgasm is not necessarily something another person gives you. Mm-hmm. And because I, I think they found in studies that people that identified as female, that they were they tended to think that when they had an orgasm with a, with another person, it was all that person's doing and would attach all of these feelings of love mm, instead mm-hmm. of understanding, like, it's actually just what your body is going to do right? yeah. and the ownership of your body in that. Yeah. It's yeah. fascinating how even patriarchal lessons about your own body, it was set up that someone else actually owned it. <sighs> Which is such a mind fuck. So yeah, the lesson like, let number us one, keep you disconnected from your own body so you can't actually grow and step into any kind of power. Oh, gross. Okay. So <laughs> lesson number one from Alex and owning your body is start, get yourself whatever you need to get and start getting familiar with what feels good and the freedom that that might bring you. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then, you know, dis, dismantle and unpack, like if you're uncomfortable telling some, even if you're comfortable masturbating, but you're uncomfortable telling someone else, you, you step into the little baby steps of being comfortable telling someone else, well, I like this, this, is this, when, you, when th- this happens to my body, I, this was what feels good. That was a lesson for me, <laughs> right? I don't think when you and I got to that level of our relationship, I don't know that I was able to verbalize anything to you. I think <laughs> you're just kind of looking at me like, yeah, no, Well, no. I mean, we, we learned together because there were things I couldn't verbalize either. Right. Yeah. So, um, what else would you, I'm, I'm, I'm really thinking of, I'm trying to go back into my, into my mind and then to also keep, um, a person that might be wanting to come out and have an experience. You know, I would say there's so, I think communication here is the biggest key, Mm -hmm. um, and how you have an experience versus an experiment. Mm -hmm. So what do you think it looks like to be, I'm on this dating site. I've I've been playing around with myself. (laughs) You know, I kind of get in a feel of like what feels good. Now I'm sitting with a person that I think I want to start engaging in a sexual relationship with. So they don't feel like an experiment. What do I need to communicate? (sighs) I know it's You're, tough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, well, and this is this is one of those things that you the 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 fear of the unknown that you don't know what you're going to find until you get in there. And the vulnerability um and the discomfort that can come up when you're you're in the middle of sex or and all of a sudden like a trigger pops up or you you have a flash of something and you are frozen or you're or you're dissociating or you're like, and all of that shit is normal and real. And, and, you know, like, so I guess it's a a little bit plan to have no plan. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I think for me, communication is the biggest thing. Yeah. Um, I think we all can identify with, you know, being the person that you're, you're so nervous, right? Um, you've, you, you, and listen, first time sex with anybody, it kind of sucks, right? Yeah. I mean, you're both kind of like you bumble around until you kind of figure things out and mm-hmm. it's, and it's awkward and it's weird. And, um, so I think going in with that expectation of there's, there's really no way around it, right? Mm-hmm. The first time you have sex with anybody, it's going to be, it's going to be, not, maybe not awkward, but just there's no way to plan, right? Like you're saying. I think the other thing I would say for for people who are especially women, I'm talking to you that you know you're in your midlife. The body, and I'm going to ask Alex. I'm going to ask you to talk about this a little bit. What is the difference between body dysmorphia mm-hmm. and gender dysphoria? Mm-hmm. Because they're different, and I think for. And the, and the purposes of this conversation, when we get to that midlife point and you're like, Hey, I've been celibate and I'm about to take my clothes off in front of another person. 
how we see our bodies and how to sink into our bodies to receive pleasure is something important for us to talk about. Mm -hmm. Do you mind sharing with everybody the difference between those things? Yeah. So body dysmorphia is a basically like it's related to anxiety, anxiety disorders. And you can, um, where you kind of, there's like a, for lack of a better word, like a, like an obsession or like a, um, a, a, a deep worry or concern about the way your body looks. And so there can be, you know, you can be checking yourself out in the mirror a lot. You can be worrying about how does this look and, and asking for, for external validation from other people. And like you're this, there's, there's this always this, this check-in is of like, am, is my body where it is okay? And you can't really settle into like a groundedness and gender dysphoria is more like you are trying to energetically, you're trying to align with who you know you are versus the container that you have. Okay. And so, you know, some trans people are like, nope, totally. And I, and I really want to be careful around saying you're born in the wrong body because. Oh yeah. That's like, I still need to unpack some of that, but for me, I don't feel like I was born in the wrong body. Um, but I do have gender dysphoria around some body parts, not really being like, um, I don't assign like a male or a female. And then sometimes like, it's, Oh yeah, this is very, this is very female or mm-hmm. the, or something like that. Anyway, I'm kind of, I'm kind of going off, but, um, but you can have both of them you know, at the same time, you can, you can experience both of them at the same time, but one again is more about an alignment and, and the other one's more about, um, like, a uh, a, a obsession or a concern or like an, an, an anxiousness. Well, and I think that that midlife, right. So if you're midlife and you are looking to come out and have an experience, I know for me, that image that I saw of my body was really hard to think my body is built and it is okay for my body to receive pleasure. Mm -hmm. And so I think for a lot of midlife comer outers, you know, what we find is that you probably have been given some type of language around your body is not built for pleasure Mm -hmm. or good enough for pleasure. You're not a size two and a hundred pounds with boobs that are like pointed up to the ceiling and a rock hard stomach. Um, so you have that, and then you have this layer of, and I'm also queer and I'm going to have queer sex. And so I want to say that the first part for me in, in re-engaging in intimacy was acknowledging that my body, just the way that it was, was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, that I did not need to be a size 200 pounds, boobs pointed up to the ceiling. Um, it was okay that I had had kids and things didn't look the same. Um, I have, of course I have cellulite. I have all of these things, but it, it did mean having to sit in the discomfort of how I saw my own body. And then is this body worthy of having this experience? And I'll tell you folks, there's some days that I'm there and there's some days I'm not like, I don't know that that's, I'm always fascinated by people that can just drop into their body right away and be like, Hey, whatever my body looks like, I'm ready for sex Yeah. where I think I'm more like, how much did I eat yesterday? And is that going <laughs> to determine, right? I still have a bit of that fucked up thinking that that's an everyday, that's everyday work for me to, to do that. Yeah. What yeah. Do you, how do you feel about that? Well, I, I, I go back and forth between, uh, we've learned so much from, uh, Dr. Nagowski's Emily Nagowski's come yeah. as you are book. And she, and correct me, of course, if I'm wrong, but that like, she goes more into the science of like how orgasm happens and mm-hmm. the circumstances and the situational stressors and things like that in our life. And then, and I know it's all of course connected, but um, so like, is, is it, maybe this is more like a rhetorical question, but is, is the healing, um, yes, there's science and that's very real, real. And, and, and then there's just the energetic right. healing of like, of you and you. Mm-hmm. And so once, so I know that you've done a lot of work in body positivity of, um, you're, you, you're, you are now a certified life coach yep. of helping people connect to their body. Um, what do you want to share with our listeners 
or, or, or listeners who like forget, put queer sex over to the side a little bit, right? Because you, to be able to engage in that experience, I think what we're saying is, and what I've heard you say to me is first, you have to connect with your own body. Yeah. So where does someone start? So a couple of things that in, in the experiences that I've had, and also um, as I was trying to reconnect myself as um, a trans non-binary body, mm-hmm. and then there was, there's different, I, I feel like different, different um, identities within the identity. Like, you know, there's, there's the sexual body. There's the um, there's different layers. Okay. That, that's a better. So I go to like, um, like the chakras. So like our sacral and our root chakra and, and the root one is, is the one at the base of our spine, but our sacral sh- sh- chakra is like right underneath our belly button. And it's like creativity and creation and, but it's also exactly where our anatomy is. Mm-hmm. And so if you've been told if you've been told all these messages about your body and what it's made for or not made for, there's like a fracturing in that, in that sacral sh- chakra, which is one of the reasons again, why it makes sense for me, why I gravitate towards dance because movement helps you get back into your body and not apologize for the way that your body is moving. Mm-hmm. Um, it could also feel really, really awkward because a part of the healing process is like, it's from a, from an outside perspective, it looks very primal and animalistic. Dancing does when well, you're trying to dance to get into your body. Well, um, it can, but it like, even if you're doing some, some work on your own, you can, I've, I've done breath work and like growling like this guttural, like, cause you're, you're feeling this vibration within your, within your chest. And then the breath work of like staying present. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, it is very hard and it's very intentional and is, it is hard work to stay in that place because it's so easy to your brain, like your nervous system is just kind of like, Nope, I'm going to check out. This is really uncomfortable. I don't want to, I don't want to be here. And then you have to practice mixed progress. You are pulling it back in like, no, we are going to breathe through this. And even I'm kind of jumping ahead, but even when you're in, when you're in a situation, having sex, like having a mantra that you say to yourself or tell the person, like, this is what I'm working through right now. And I want you to be here with me as I do this. Um, and of course, ask them if they have something, you know, uh, that they have that they're mm-hmm. you know working on but if you're both trying to connect you're you're connecting to yourself and trying to connect with an, an, another person which is an incredible amount of work mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so tell me more about because i've heard i've taken your dance classes for years oh, yeah. and i remember you telling me and you told our class at one point that you wanted everybody to do this movement for 2 minutes in front of the mirror yeah. Tell me more about that. So get naked. <laughs> and I had people, um, there's a song by Lizzo about damn time. I love that song. And so say again, sacral, sh- sacral chakra, right below the belly button. Um, and it is so seeing yourself and then seeing yourself move can start to dislodge stuff and you can, you're going to have an experience. Um, you're going to have an experience and that intentionality of looking at yourself in the mirror and then moving your hips in a circular motion in a, in a rhythmic motion is, um, can be empowering and healing and also make you cry or make you like mm-hmm. make, you know, whatever pop up. So, um, yeah, I wanted, I was promoting and encouraging people to do this thing, S- you know, see what happens. Maybe you're really comfortable with it and maybe you, you know, but I was trying to step people in, in another, a deeper direction of, um, try this, yeah. see what happens Yeah, I think when what, you're by yourself versus in a class. Well, and I think that's partly like what I, 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 I'm hoping people find helpful. in if you are 
hoping to come out and and mm-hmm. have experiences that I hope what people are getting from this is it really does start with you. Mm-hmm. And so the freedom of just letting your body move and feel again. Mm-hmm. And I know for you know myself, after having so many years of celibacy, that was actually really hard because I think I had gotten so used to celibacy and feeling like a safety with it almost like you really shut down yourself from even being able to think of anything in that world. Mm -hmm. And so, and it's weird, but like, you know, I almost, I am probably one of those women that like, I need somebody to tell me to do this, to give myself permission to do it. Mm -hmm. I would not have just come up on my own of let me stand naked in front of the mirror and move my hips in a circular motion intentionally and like to hold it. Like, of course I dance around my house. I go to dance classes. I, you know, go running. I'm, I'm a pretty active person within my body, but it's the intentionality I hear you talking about. Yeah. Intentionally stand there naked in front of the mirror and do this movement for two minutes and see what happens. Yeah. Okay. And it's a reminder that your body is there for you, not for anybody else's entertainment or for, or pleasure. I mean, yes, they can experience pleasure from your body and that's normal and natural, but, but it's that part, you know, reminder, like, Oh no, my body is mine. And, and it's this, this reclaiming of ownership of like all these decades of like being told that your body is for someone else's, um, again, uh, entertainment, um, you know, judging like, Oh my gosh, you know, why are they moving like that? That's too sexy. Or like you, like you put a label or you judge it on how someone moves. Like, no, no, no. A body just moves the way it moves. There's no, there's no judgment. And then we judge ourselves on, on it too. So, um, well, and there's so many ways in which we, we categorize and then dehumanize bodies. Yeah. So, like, there's a couple things I was listening to. Um, it's you know specifically even in trans bodies, right? That even for, and this is this, I I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I'm going to say it, but because it's, it's going to, it could send us down a rabbit hole and maybe this isn't necessarily the episode for this statement. So I'm okay laying it down and we'll walk away from it and maybe come back to it another point. But if you think of the way trans identities, what you have to go through to even have your body acknowledged in something that you already know to be true. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking about the mental health process, right? Where, you know, I fucking love these people that are like, oh my God, that person can just say they're a cat and they're a cat. And I'm like, your ignorance is really fucking showing because to actually have, um, quote unquote, a diagnosis of you know being a trans identity you have to go to a mental health care professional who's going to deem whether or not it's a yes or no on you saying this is my identity and who I am in my body mm-hmm. like there's already a system that's set up to be like yeah you might be telling me that this is who you are but we're going to have to set up this entire medical system to say whether you are who you say you are or not no one diagnosis being cisgender. Right. Like, fuck that shit. So it's just, I'm, and I'm also acknowledging that there are many different bodies that we don't, um, we don't treat the same. Yeah. We, we dehumanize them. We look at them. I mean, from the, from the start, I, I always go back to like 16, 19, when we said, Hey, if your body looks like this, well, then your body's just here for us to have our capitalist um, you know, version of what we want built off of your body because your body is less than because of the color of your skin. So, mm-hmm. you know, as we're talking about getting into the body, like I'm hyper aware right now that depending on how you categorize your body and how your body is seen, there's a whole bunch of fucked up systems that are feeding this into you of, I get to determine what your body is, not yeah. you. And so I don't mean to make like light of it at all, but also, you know, recognizing to get into your body, there might be multiple tri- systems that have told you what your body should be. Yeah. I think a part of the work too would be, could be, you know, yes, experience, uh, experience your own body through physical pleasure, but then also journaling, like what are the messages that I received and, and, as a kid, as in go through like, and write out kind of like a little timeline of, mm-hmm. and then it will help you understand what you, where you are now. And what, and maybe what messages you still receive. Yeah. Right. Like I still receive messages that as I age, um, my body is less valuable, right? Like we had a friend and I, we were having a conversation with another friend who said, you know, even your hair, don't let your hair go gray. 
And when I was like, why can't I let my hair go gray? She shared with me that with women at work, when their hair goes gray, there's all these studies that show that they're not listened to anymore. I'm like, for fuck's sake, (laughs) you know? So again, like not making, not trying to simplify the level of messages, depending on how your body shows up in this world, whether it's, I have to go to a mental health care professional and have them sign off on something that nobody could possibly know better than me. Right. Right. Um, or the messages you get from society or the fact that you've had two children and somehow you're seen as, Hey, well, that person's already done what they needed to do. And they're no, therefore no longer a sexual creature. I had read somewhere that Elvis had that with his wife that once I know this is crazy, but that, that. yeah, that there's a, I think it was in her book, Priscilla Presley, that once she had given birth to their daughter, he couldn't see her as a sexual being anymore. He could only see her as a mother and procreator. Oh my gosh. Like this shit is real of what, what gets put on us. And then how do you, so whether it's like, Hey, it's midlife and I'm ready to have experiences like you got to go to a place of owning your own body again. Yeah. And so we're talking about sex, but also um, more of the layers than that. You know, your body eats food, your body exercises, your body um, has has sex, your body all list out all the things that your body does. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So I think, you know, for, um, and there's been a couple listeners that we've had that have written in and they're like, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about coming out. I'm thinking about doing, you know, whatever it is that they need to do to come out, like start with you, (laughs) start seeing your body as worthy of having this experience. Yeah. And then once you've done that work, you should be able to share with the person that you're hoping to have this experience with, you should be able to share this, right? Like, Hey, this is new for me. Hey, I haven't done this before. Mm -hmm. Hey, I understand that this might bring up a whole bunch of things that we need to talk about. But if you can't have that conversation with the person that you're looking to have this experience with, I think that might tell you something, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, just, in in being open to whatever whatever comes up whatever happens and you're you're trusting that person i'm wondering too you know what happens if you have the experience and then you're like wow i did not think that that's what that was going to be <laughs> or, or maybe you don't like it or maybe you do i guess you don't know until you're there yeah cuz um yeah cuz it might not be about sexuality it might just really just be, you didn't connect with that person. Could be. And that's okay too. Yeah. I want to say too, that there's, I think there's this misconception sometimes about queer, queer sex, that it's something um, really different or crazy or out there. <laughs> and, you know, I guess I would just say if that's, cause I know I've read that that's one of the, um, and I definitely experienced this myself too, that like you think it's, the, the, whatever is in your head of what it's going to be. Right. And I think people think, especially with um, lesbians that have sex, that it's all about, because if you, if you've seen it, it's like all about like still almost like trying to do heterosexual sex. Mm-hmm. And we've said this on here before, like sex is not necessarily about penetration. There's lots of, of bodies that don't necessarily like to be penetrated, but that doesn't mean that that's not sex. Mm-hmm. Um so I think that's probably important to define for yourself. Like is sex penetration to you? Um, what does it look like for it not to be? Mm-hmm. And just to, to feel, cause I think of sex as pleasure of intimacy, not necessarily the things you do. Right. What do you think of it as? Um, I, I, I think, I think I used to, cause what I was taught that sex was intercourse Yeah. and <laughs> Oh, totally funny story. Okay. So there was, um, I was a rower in college and, um, a few of us were, were gay on the team that were out at least. And, um, one, one person, she grew up in a very religious family and, um, claimed and said that she, she had not had sex with her, with her boyfriend ever. And one of our other teammates <laughs> were like, are you sure about that? <laughs> 
<laughs> and she was like, I have not had sex with my boyfriend. Comes out later that she had had, had anal sex with her boyfriend, but not vaginal sex. And so she was saying, well, I haven't had sex because it's not vaginal sex. There's a lot to unpack in that. <laughs> I don't want to yuck somebody's yum. Um, but talk about a level of like, because she knew that she could, couldn't, couldn't get pregnant. So from, in her yeah. mind, sex equaled procreation. Yeah. And so I'm having awful flashbacks <laughs> Catholic school. <laughs> Listen, you do you, but I, I, I can't, I can't define what sex is for another person. I can tell you, I don't define sex as procreation. Yeah. I think sex now is any kind of physical romantic, um, exchange of, of it's mind, body, spirit. It's that's sex. Yeah. I, I would agree. I think, because I think if you said, well, is sex having an orgasm? Well, there's plenty of times you have sex that you don't have one. Right. Otherwise I know a lot of women with their husbands that are not having sex. <laughs> he is, she's he not, is, she's not. <laughs> um, so I can't, I wouldn't define it by having an orgasm either. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't define it as have as penetration because I've had sex with you lots of times that have not involved any type of penetration at all. Yep. Yeah. And I think that there's, we, you know, you have to be able to have the freedom to say like, that's not the end all be all. Mm -hmm. I always go to that episode of sex in the city. I don't know if you remember this one. I, I did. I, I understand that Carrie is hugely problematic character, yeah. but I still love the show. Yeah. Um, me too. And she, at one point, you know, they talk about jackrabbit sex, <laughs> which I think we've talked about on there before. Like if that's sex, like, Oh my God. Like what woman would ever want to, maybe, I don't know. Maybe you're, you're out there and you like Jack rabbit sex. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to Google that episode. Is our version of that just the down and dirty sex where it's just like quick in and out. <laughs> I didn't realize we were going to share that. <laughs> I am sorry. No, no, no. It's okay. I think lots of couples have, you know, you're, I you're, think, yeah. Hey, I, I'm, and I would define down and dirty sex. Cause you would ask me because that's what I call it. I'm like, Alex, are you down for some down and dirty sex? And you're like, what does that actually mean to you? Yeah. And I told you to me, it means it's like late at night. We're both like, and it's not, it's not down and dirty drunky sex. Right. That's a whole different thing. <laughs> but down and dirty sex to me is maybe it's like a Wednesday night and it's like, work fucking sucks shit. And, and the house is a wreck and I've got to get, you know, we got to get up at six o'clock in the morning, but you just get into bed together and you're like, Oh my God, I need to like feel you and yeah. feel close to you and have this experience. But if you drag this out for me, I might kill you. <laughs> it just needs to just, it just needs to happen. <laughs> we can get it done. Right. That's down and dirty. That's at yeah. least what you and I call it. Yeah. You want it down and dirty. Yeah. I apologize. Did I just out you? That's okay. okay. I'm supposed. I'm learning how to be more vulnerable and open. <laughs> Talking about body and sex. <laughs> hey, this is a this is a step in a good direction for me to talk about this stuff. I've really been conditioned not to, or to think that there's something wrong. Well, and I wonder. I was thinking earlier, actually. I wonder if a part of um, in your if during midlife when you are going into these spaces, maybe you were asking yourself, um, because I had sex. Well, I had. I mean, the first time I had intercourse, at least I was 15. Yeah. And so it's like, maybe it's asking yourself, what would I want, would have wanted to be, have told, been told by a parent or an adult or yeah. a trusted person? Like, what would I have needed to know? Yeah. And, and if I um, don't feel comfortable, you know, um, I was told, nothing about it. So I'm like, well, I guess I'll go figure this out. Yeah. And, and so you have that op option, of course, um, to then as in your forties or when, when, you know, however old you are, be like, well, like, what do I need to know? And what do I need to share? And what do I, what would I wanted to hear? Yeah. I mean, I think I'll answer that question. I think what I probably needed to hear was listen to your body, listen and trust your body, yeah. your body, Kim knows. Mm -hmm. I think that would have helped me a great deal. And I, I hope that that's the conversation and there, and listen, like we're, there's so many conversations to have right around consent around. And, and so I don't want to go down 
I'm not ignoring that, but also that's not necessarily what we're here talking about today. We're talking about emotionally, like let's assume, yes, I've given consent. Right. I want to be here. I want to do this. But what I wish I would have known was it was okay to say, yes, I've consented to doing this. And why does it still not feel right? Mm -hmm. And I hope that I wish the message I would have got was Kim, listen to your body because my body was telling me, Mm -hmm. right. My body was telling me like something doesn't feel right when I'm with a body that looks and feels male. Yeah. And when there's self-betrayal, then there's trauma. Yeah. And so when I, th- and, and, and inevitably, because I was, that was trauma for me, I can yeah. name it now yeah. is nothing to do with the partners that I was with, but I inevitably bled out that trauma onto them. Right. Mm-hmm. Because they were having sex with someone like, why is this girl crying in a mess? And then wants to break up with me the second after we've done this. Mm-hmm. And that inevitably caused them trauma. Right. right. Because see, here they were, well, she, you know, she said that she wanted to do these things with me and I've got a fucking mess on my hands now. Right. Um, which inevitably I ended up not being a mess. I just ghosted, which is horrible to do yeah. to another person. Yeah. I, I did the same. I did that. I absolutely did that where I was like, you know, and also that I could experience feelings of love with, um, people, but that the, the body just, it couldn't, I could not make it work no matter how much I loved a person. And that inevitably caused harm to people that I didn't mean to do, but I did. Mm-hmm. So I wish that was part of the message I got was listen to your body. Your body knows. Yeah. Trust yourself yeah. in your body that if this doesn't feel right, you can absolutely say so. So I wish I had had that information. I wish I had information on what being gay was, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. there's just not a ton of information around queer sex education. Mm -hmm. I mean, my goodness, like in Colorado, we just finally passed yesterday that you can have references to LGBTQ in schools and in history books. So I can't even get into sex education and we need to do an entire episode about why you need to have queer sex education. Yeah. Because especially for teens, especially for teens, because if you're only teaching your kids about heterosexual experiences, you are going to have, because I was that kid Mm -hmm. where I'm like, well, I understand what you're telling me sex is, but why do was it feel so wrong? And there was nothing to fill that void for me. So I walked around for a good period of time thinking I was totally fucked up. Yeah. And And I wasn't, I was just gay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then you end up kind of returning back to the thing that feels not great because you think it's the only option. You know, the message of my life was put your head down and just work harder. (laughs) That didn't work. (laughs) Interpret how you like. (laughs) Just keep putting the square into the circle. Eventually it'll work. Eventually it's going to work. So when we talk about like queer sex education, like that's why I think it's so important. Yeah. And listen, if you start learning about queer sex and you're like, yeah, that's not, that's not making sense to me. Go do heterosexual sex education, but don't assume that heterosexual sex education is what's going to work for everyone. Because otherwise you got a bunch of queer kids running around either self-loathing, self-hating, internalizing that trauma mm-hmm. and, and bleeding out their harm onto everyone else. Mm-hmm. And go back to our st- statistics that we probably say here at some point, but we definitely go into um, during our training. One in five mm-hmm. Gen Zs are, are LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of kids. So that is a lot of kids. LGBTQ kids have LGBTQ sex. <laughs> yes, they do. LGBTQ people and people. Okay. Yeah, they they have experiences. Yeah. So I guess, you know, and I can almost like, can't you almost just like hear the parents in your head? But I don't know how to talk to my kid about queer sex. Yes, you do. Yeah, you do. Yes, you do. And if you're telling yourself you don't reach out to us for coaching. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there's lots of resources for you to reach out to. Yeah. And also like there might be a little bit of a bias in you if you think that you can't talk about this. Correct. So should we just lay that down and, and walk away from it now? It's <laughs> gonna lay down like a piece of sushi. <laughs> <laughs> Interpret, Interpret how as you, you like. Will. Okay, are we through everything you wanted to talk about for this one? Um I'm hungry. Oh Does that mean- <laughs> What do you want to eat? Interpret, um, interpret how you like. <laughs> We did say that this is not for kids. This is a zinger episode. This one's good. Um, <laughs> I can't believe we had to talk about down and dirty. 
Well, yeah. I, oh, yeah. Um, Anything else you want to, or, or maybe we can make this a two-parter and we can pause here. What do you think? Yeah, I just would, I would like to say one of the things that was coming up is that, you know, of course we talked about our bodies being worthy of pleasure, but you're returning to this freedom before I remember Dr. J telling me in, in, um, in some of the work that we did, you know, go back to who you were before the world or for, before anybody told you what to do with your body and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, um, it's your, your, that trusting that that freedom is there. It's always been there. You just now have to open your mind to, oh, I can, I can be free in my body. I just have to figure out what that really feels like. Yeah. I'm going to say this is probably going to be an ongoing conversation that we do on here yeah. because what is it? Ta- I mean, we've talked about a lot of things that may need to happen to have freedom in your body. So I guess like the first step I would tell anybody is acknowledge that your body is worthy of freedom. Mm-hmm. However, that body shows up and really work at deconstructing what those messages you got about your body are, whether it's size, whether it's ability, whether it's color, whether it's whatever it is. Um, I bodies are worthy of pleasure. Period. They're they're yeah. They're built for pleasure. And they're built for pleasure. On that note. <laughs> Thanks for listening in, Balls of Magic. We'll be back with more on this later. I love you, Alex. I love you too, Kimmy. Okay.